Time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Father, I get to get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Catch the live stream there also. You can go to abibitumi.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening. Catch the live stream there. Or you can download the tune in radio app to any of your devices tune in is a free app and then that tune in search engine just type in time for an awakening there you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live even into your car if you had a bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection again that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the tune in app drop us an email at time for an awakening at gmail.com again that's time for an awakening at gmail.com Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program. With the fan page on Facebook, Facebook and Time for an Awakening media is there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs. On time for an awakening media, interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that time for an awakening marketplace in our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's time for an awakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here in the city of Philadelphia on this uh, frigid. And uh, after the snow, Sunday evening, and we're in the Sunday, edition, Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Uh, tonight will be an open forum. Uh, no guest scheduled, but yourself, so you can call. and uh, Anything that's on your mind, you can uh, open up a topic. And you can do that by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, 
our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother. 
From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back. The Time for an Awakening is 8 uh, 8-12, uh, 7-12, I'm sorry, here in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. And before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and R Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Uh, at 20, I ain't feeling it. You know, I, I don't want I don't want to complain about my my ailments, but uh, this cold ain't ain't helping, brother man. I know that, you know. But I'm all, otherwise I'm all good. Uh, you know, I did my little shoveling. I thought I was looking for like uh, ten inches or something like that, Elliot. Uh, I'm glad that they only had you know uh, heel deep, you know. And it plus, was it was at, at, it wasn't at the heavy wet snow either. It was kind of light; you could kind of move it around. Yeah, yeah, that was that was good. But um, otherwise, everything is you know moving moving along. Uh, we, we we got the. I don't know, you know, being out of touch, but I don't know the big discussion is who's going to be the Supreme Court justice that um, Biden puts up there. Uh, I see that that's that guy. Is, that, is this the new term or new old term? Uh, that got buzzed. Um, so. And that's that that, you know, that's interesting to me, Elliot, you know, that, that whole thing about the Supreme Court, the way I'm hearing it framed, you know, um, you know, it, which is interesting. But uh, I'm, other than that, I'm good. Well, uh, you know what? Um, <clears throat> because, you know, after some of the uh, recent failures, now all of a sudden it, it shifts to the court. Mm. And putting a black woman on this court, I think it, uh, what is it, uh, 63 or something like that, conservative as a right. liberal. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then the talk on, on some of the black uh, terrestrial stations is this conversation around that. Which, uh, for the life of me, Richard, sometimes I don't I don't really understand it. I know who's guiding those conversations. Uh, you know, white, white folks is dictating the parameters and the, the quote-unquote black elite is guiding some of these conversations. Um... What do you think about it? And what do you, give me your opinions in reference to uh, to what we're looking at here, Richard. Because um, some of the conversations that that our people are facing, they don't intend to have them as big topics for discussion dealing in this court. But they really don't want to deal with them. Period. And I'm talking about the same thing that we've been dealing with uh, since 1863, mm-hmm. when that Civil War was was over, supposedly over, the question of citizenship for black people. I mean, I, I, how do you see it? I mean, one, one, Elliot, I, I think it's important, well, at least for, for me, the question of how we frame as we're, we're listening to any of these political 
appointments and, and political policies and issues, right? Um, one, we should be framing it um, with the, the ability that we can get as much information that we can in order to understand um, how the, these individuals or these policies relates to our special interests, right? Our particular interests, our historical, um, and now they're saying, you know, they're coming, maybe catching up and saying our ethnic as, you know, uh, American African as our ethnic group or as being a nation within a nation, right? So I'm, I'm, when I'm, I'm looking at and I'm listening to, you know, the propaganda, you know, out of the media and, and how it's being framed, one, I have challenges around that because it seems to me what we're looking for is when we talk about our interests, we should be, you know, be clarifying um, elements of what a person on Supreme Court who is looking out for our interests in this time should be um, dealing with, right? And and so um, for me, it just, you know, as I was hearing it, because I hear how there is two elements that I hear coming out of the propaganda. I'm calling it a propaganda machine, right? Um, and that is um, the selection of uh, a Black person to, you know, Black woman particularly, which frames it within a political context that um, the president, Biden, is um, going to offer. And the analysis gets into whether she's, she, whoever it may be of these um, candidates, whether they would be um, voted in by the Republican Senate, right? And then the other part of whether she's a liberal. Now, you know, I'm not, as you mentioned, you know, the, the court supposedly 6-3, in relationship to being a uh, 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 conservative, six conservative to three liberals. But I think for us, at, you know, where we should be raising a question from, and I think you, you, you touched on it in the sense of um, because, it's a, because of the voting rights, and y'all, and y'all can correct me, time for waking audience, y'all can correct me for my, if I'm wrong, um, the voting right issue is still being challenged. Um, no, it's not being challenged in like it was in uh, 64 um, or 1864, um, but, you know, in getting voting rights, but it's being challenged in using other things that they learned, you know, redistricting and, and adding, um, what's that, voter IDs and, and how much, how long you can stand and how far away you have to stand in a line and water. Now, those kind of issues can go up to the Supreme Court. But doesn't that, um, the person, we should understand what their view is in relationship to the reconstruction laws that were put in place specifically to deal with our enfranchisement? And when I say reconstruction law, again, I'm always looking forward to be corrected, you know, um, you know, and, and that is the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. Now, though they were placed in by the Congress or the, the legislative branch, when they're challenged, they get challenged at the Supreme Court level of whether, you know, these actions they do are, are legal. Well, shouldn't we be aware? No, we might not know all the legal um, um, case studies and, and all that. You know, who, who, who is a working person got time to be doing all that, right? But we should be aware and hearing of these potential candidates, which one is um, 
has a view around that. That's that's one. The, you know, the question about um, what what their view is around the reconstruction um, laws and how does that relate or not relate in relationship to laws right now. Um, the other, which I'm hearing, you know, uh, might be more controversial, but it is a part of the public um, discourse. And, and a Supreme Court judge is there for life. Um, so, and this this question of of the, uh, what is that, CRT, uh, critical race theory, um, has social impact that could be, you know, bubble up and be challenged in relationship to, you know, what what should American citizen know, um, be educated within the educational process, or what um, what they don't want to know? This can bubble up and become a a Supreme Court, you know, um, um, consideration um, by being challenged. So I, I would I would like to know now, you know, and again, of all the legal things that's out there, corporate, you know, what the co- corporate world is doing that could be brought up to the Supreme Court, you know, what, what um, identity issues that can be brought up in relationship or, or what is life and versus non-life. Yes, all of those can be brought up. But it seems that for now, this CRT or this critical race theory or how much the law in, in America impacts um, African-Americans, American-Africans, or, or, you know, and, and how much does that impact in, resi- in relationship to the resistance um, of dealing with white supremacy? And, and the third thing, Elliot, last, um, that, and, and a person said, well, you don't want them to get, you don't, you wouldn't want them to get uh, 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 considered just by those two. But the last thing, you know, which has to deal with, um, the Constitution itself that the Supreme Court is, you know, dealing with, and that is whether it's uh, it is, and I've heard this bubble up a couple of times. Is it a living document, meaning that it can be changed over time, or the, um, or is it a, a document that we should be um, viewing it from its original intent? Now. If we view the Constitution from its original intent, I don't know if you would agree, Elliot, but then black folks wouldn't have no, no, you know, no power in this. No, it's illusionary if we have a standing and power in this country as it is from a political perspective, from a legal perspective. But if it went by the original intent compared to it being a living document, the Constitution that is, and the interpretation of the Constitution, then we definitely, I'm, I'm assuming, a large body of us would not be included. So to when I hear now, you know, this thing... Hey, well, of, wait a minute. And you're right, Richard, because a large body of black folks are not included. Right. The ones that are is the quote-unquote, and, and and that class of people that have been cultivated by this these Europeans since we've been here... It's a class of people that consider themselves a black elite that are in, that consider themselves included. Right. Whether white folks consider them included is another issue. But go ahead. No, no, and, and I, that's the, that's the point, that's the point I'm making. And, and that group, 
you know, um, um, the, you know, that's why that recon, those reconstruction laws, because the question of their voting, um, and now I'm saying they're being freedmen, right? There's a different was a different in our historical um, experience between freedmen and those who were enslaved, and 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 those were constitutional questions that could be, again. Um, uh, hopefully there's people out there in time for waking the audience that has more a legal background that can um, place me on the right track or give give us all a better understanding and would you know come forward and 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 speak to us about it. But it, it's that th- that those cons- that those are constitutional questions that we would want to know beforehand, regardless who votes for them to get the seat, that we understand because when we got. Uh, um, um, homeboy, uh, what's his name? Uh, what, Thomas? He, yeah. I mean, I, I was looking at one of these articles and they said, what did Thomas do? He lessened Supreme, wait a minute. Uh, this is in the Hill, right? Justice Clarence Thomas, who became the second black man appointed to the Supreme Court in 1991, is an arch conservative who has voted to weaken the Voting Rights Act of 1965, even though the act was designed to tear down barriers blocking African-Americans from voting. Right? So does it matter whether it's a black woman, even as a liberal, if they're from our vantage point, from a nation management vantage point, that where we have to be concerned in how we interact. And that's why I see those Three, um, those three areas I would like to be aware of um, from all of these justices. You know, that's that, that's that's my long-winded uh, um, response to your question. Well, let, let me say something in reference to that. And uh, again, we're in open forum, so people can get involved on any topic they want. They don't have to talk about uh, some of the things that we're mentioning. But uh, Richard, listen. Um, if you look at our experiences now, it's, it's questionable, very much questionable. Uh, and I'm not talking about how black people view themselves. That's not the issue. I'm talking about how white society and Europeans view you and using an historical perspective. It's clear that white society and Europeans don't and never viewed black people as citizens. It's clear to me. I'm not talking about how black people view themselves. We struggled. We built this country. We fought in wars. I'm I'm just as much a citizen as you are. Right? But I'm talking about how Europeans view you. That's a different thing altogether. Because if they if they viewed you any different, it wouldn't be this constant generational struggle all the time. And I want to play some clips here. The last speech, uh, one of the last interviews that Dr. King gave was at his church. And a reporter from uh, ABC interviewed him. I want to play four segment clips in what he stated about 
his mission, number one, when he started and what his objectives was, because you hear a lot of misinformation and uh, the white media wants to sanitize these men, Malcolm II, and give them acceptable parameters in which our youth can talk about them. And you hear a lot of, you know, especially after uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, during King's recognition, they talked about, oh, he fought for all people, this, that, and the other. You, you've heard those things, Richard. I, I, I want to play just four segment clips on what he said that his mission was and what his struggle constantly was. Because there's something different there than what they want our children to accept. Another thing is on these courts, Richard, we've had three people, well, two and a potential third, that have been on these courts. Thurgood Marshall. You still with me? Thomas and this potential black woman. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying that any of these men uh, were any type of panacea. And I, I especially ain't talking about Thomas. But let's deal with Marshall. Marshall had a track record of fighting for black folks long before he went in those courts or was nominated. He was trained by uh, Charles Hamilton Houston and others to go into court and fight for black people, the average black citizens. Am I right or wrong? There you go. So he automatically, he already had a track record among our people that they could see, our people could see it. I ain't talking about the necessarily the black elite, even though, you know, he was of a strata. I don't know whether he considered himself elite in that vein, but economically, and as far as this system is concerned, he was of the black elite. But he had a track record of working and helping his people. That's totally different from what we see now out of this Thomas when he went in and clearly what we see out of these potential women. I mean, so far from what I've seen, and it might be all three of them, some of the top the, the top three ones that they've had been mentioning is, because uh, uh, I had it named on one of these sheets, uh, Michelle Childs out of South Carolina, uh, uh, Justice Leandra Kruger from California, uh, and somebody that uh, Obama from the Obama administration, Kalita Brown Jackson. Now, as far as I'm concerned, and this is this is my uh, values. Two of these women, and probably all three of them, is married to white men. So. To me, their judgment right off the bat is questionable. They're married to white men. They're similar to Kamala Harris. So, to be honest, right off the bat, their opinions, are, you know, is questionable to me. And they're on those courts because these votes coming up is basically dealing with European values. Gay marriage, all this stuff coming up about gay marriage and abortion. 
so white women can have abortions. All you got to do is look back at Sanger and all the people that started that Planned Parenthood. It was about controlling black populations. If black people was uh, using all those abortions, getting rid of children, and white women wasn't involved in it, you wouldn't hear nothing on the courts about limiting any abortions. But being that you got all these white women that's doing it, and they, they want white women to have children, not abort them, it's a big issue with Europeans. So those are the two big issues that's going to be on the court. Now, I don't know what that has to do with the average black public and their challenges to their, quote-unquote, citizenship in this country. Now, the woman is out of South Carolina. She got support from both Gra- Lindsey Graham on the Republican side and uh, 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 Clyburn. And Scott, I was, although Scott don't, you know, Scott does what he told, and so does Clyburn for that, for that matter. But I'm saying, you know, what, what kind of, if you putting somebody on a scale, I don't want any of these people, but it, it, it would definitely not be her. But I'm just saying, these people, they, they don't have, you know, to even mention these people in the vein of any of those men that has struggled during the thirties, forties, uh, which, which, uh, which, uh, uh, Marsha was back then to compare them with these people now is, is I wouldn't even say apples and oranges. I mean, and and that's why I'm I'm saying that we should, you know, why we should, you know, be, you know, now be more than ever, um, um, this generation, and 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 as a training for the next generation, um, more, um, be more specific in what we're looking at, and and what we're dialoguing on. I mean, um, and and more challenging with each other in relationship to what does that, you know, um, mean to us. And what does that mean to the other? Because like I said, um, I, I, I posted on Facebook at least two of my concerns, and I, and I got a response back uh, that, you know, maybe, well, you don't want them to get elected. You don't want them to get um, seated. And, 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 I, and I said to myself, you know, and I don't know, you know, if everybody else would agree with it. it to me, that, that response, understanding, because what, it's a response from the perspective of, if we deal with things that specifically deal with the concerns that we're dealing with, you know, um, then we foresee a white backlash. And because of that backlash, we shouldn't deal with that. So um, maybe the thing politically and publicly is best that we're considering to deal with a uh, black female, you know, to be elected. And as you say, there, there's questionable things that relates to, and, and I think it's important what you said, relates to our individual values in relationship to the selection of it's going to be surface and relates to our social value when it gets to, uh, from the perspective of um, nation management. And, and, and if we are, as our historical position, a nation within a nation. And that, and that, that point that you raised 
about uh, uh, Thurgood Marshall, you, you said something that was powerful to me, Elliot. You said he was trained by to work for, trained by, what was that Charles Hamilton? Mm-hmm. Right? A black man that who built his, from what I understand, built his legal understanding in the name of looking at dealing with for black folks themselves, that nation within a nation, what we need to put on the court, how we need to have the strategy. And then the next generation, he trained and then boom, he's placed on the court, the Supreme Court, and he's able to argue in our interests to get that um what's that majority the, the 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 majority opinion I, I think that that training part that 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 being able to understand that we have somebody compared to somebody that just pops up and we don't have any understanding of what they did and who they are exactly and that that kind of goes to the conversation we had been having the past couple of weeks about uh being involved or using politics as a tool. We have to be intricately involved in cultivating and training these people. Because if you don't, then other people are going to train them. And the next thing you know, they'll pop up because they'll use media and all to pop them up. And then you'll be arguing and going back and forth, like on terrestrial black stations, about people that have your interests not at heart at all. These people don't care nothing about you. They don't. Or what you're struggling with. They'll use you, but they don't care nothing about you. And the good thing about it to them is they're not running for elective office. They're running for appointed positions, which puts them clearly in, in, in areas where they have to do people's bidding, period. See, you can kind of play games a little bit if you're in elective office. You can act like you're working for the people so you can get votes and then turn around behind closed doors and do what you're told. But these people that's vying for appointed positions, that's all they do is do what they're told. They ain't stomping for votes. You don't even know them. They'll get on those positions and be there for life. And, you know, I have to say this, Elliot, because you bring up another um, interesting and powerful point in relationship to, again, and and y'all going to get tired of me saying this, but we got to move out of that we're just um, participating. We we have to be managing uh, our, our political franchise, our power relationship in this country, because it's always being challenged. I mean, you know, Reparations is being challenged. That's, and that's, wait, wait, wait a minute, Richard. I don't mean to cut you. Why, why is it being challenged? Because you're not a citizen. They don't consider you a citizen, period. Mm-hmm. Unless it's convenient for them. A war breakout, they need you. Oh, you know, everything is, you're just like me. They need black participation, that's different. When they don't need you, you're not a citizen. And, and it doesn't and it doesn't matter. We ain't talking about what you as an individual or you as a social class. We're talking about 
black people in general. Because as you said, when we look at the 14th Amendment, maybe, you know, I ain't got, isn't that the one that says, um, in, you know, that you're a citizen unless you have been um, convicted of a crime, mm-hmm. right? And and when we we, we hear now and the, the the talker now about um, the whole thing about being um, what's this the whole thing about the prison industrial complex and and that they can be able, they can be able to determine uh, a, a black male black child that's going to be going to prison by the third grade because of what they uh, are able to read you know the, the level of their uh, reading ability which now goes into uh, the educational um, uh, experience. Um, that you know the the degraded, which was the also that was that the uh, Brown versus Board of Education, you know, with the separate the, the, that was supposed to be able to equalize, and here we are, what seventy years later, and we're we're talking about our educational experience, our skill development as a national group, as an ethnic group, as a large one of the the largest and oldest population in this country, that there's a large segment of us who are not um, adequately skilled in, in critical re- reasoning um, skills or mathematical skills in order to, to be able to take a place in the transition to the fourth industrial, comp- you know, fourth industrial, um, what's that called? Fourth industrial uh, industry. I mean, that that that's 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 something that's um, a review the law. But you brought up something else, and I'll stop with this. But you said appointed position compared to elected position. Does that mean that we should be looking not at the elected positions, very critical at the local level? We should be looking at these people who are being put in these appointed positions. Don't they have an impact on our lives? Yeah. And shouldn't we know who is there that's looking out for our best interests? Because they're going, as you say, if they don't be there for life, they there for the terms of their career. And if you ain't cultivating these people, they're not looking out for your best interests, period. Period. Because white folks is putting them in those positions and they're doing it for their interests. They're not doing it for yours. And, you know, when we look at Richard, listen, that one of those beginning statements and that that leads to those uh, uh, rights is Jefferson, Franklin, all of those racist bigots said that all men was created equal and endowed with inalienable rights, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And, And those rights was protected by the government that they were installing, right? Right. Now, we know that black folks' life, their liberty, and their pursuit of happiness was not protected by this government and still is not. That's what you're struggling about. When they're challenging voting rights and uh, education, CRT, uh, which you're learning in school about some of your people that have struggled here, they ain't talking about white folks learning that. They don't, white folks don't learn that anyway. They don't care nothing about your people and what they did struggling here. They want to monitor what you're learning in school. How, how is that possible if you're a citizen? 
You ain't monitoring where white children are learning. Tell me what black person, whether they are school board president, I don't give a damn what they are, is determining what white children learn in school. Tell me. Mm. Maybe you can tell me, Richard. I ain't seen it. I, you know, that's an interesting point, powerful point in itself. Well, I mean, well, c- come on here. See, our people got to stop playing these games. You want to run around? I'm an American, just like uh, Elder Amos Wilson says in that clip. I'm an American. You can run around saying whatever you want. That don't make it true. Just, just, just like Amos Wilson said, just because you don't see yourself as colored, that don't mean they don't see you as colored. Now, I just want to play a couple of these clips in reference to what King stated about his mission and what he was doing. And then he talks about the revolution of values that's needed among our youth. Richard, what he's saying deserves discussion. And I'm going to just throw it out there. If people want to talk about it, they can talk about whatever they want. I'll, I'll put these clips in before we go to break. Um, and I'll kind of stop because the, the, a lot of the clips are brief. I'll stop and, and uh, make some comments. Maybe you've got a comment or two. But um, it goes directly to what we're talking about, about the citizenship of our people here and the quote-unquote lack thereof. Let me, let me play it. Uh, couple of these here this was an interview that was done 11 months before he was murdered and one of the last ones that was done by media let me get to uh, play this first one here dr king this church is as good a place as any to go back over your commitment to the civil rights movement when you went out from here into university, and then you went to Montgomery, Alabama, and started the bus boycotts there. What was the philosophy of the civil rights movement as you saw it then, more than 10 years ago? Well, I would say then the philosophy was that we must go all out to use legal and nonviolent methods to gain full citizenship rights uh, for the Negro people of our country. Uh, Of course, uh, that particular struggle and that philosophy centered on breaking down all of the barriers of legal segregation. So I would say that in that period, uh, the basic thrust for the gaining of citizenship rights for Negroes uh, was to end uh, the humiliation surrounding the whole system of legal segregation. Now, Richard. Mm Mm-hmm. You heard what he said. Yeah. He said that his mission when he left university and went down there to be involved was to use legal and he said nonviolent means to gain full citizenship rights for black people here. He said the American Negro, black people here in America. Right? Right. Not all right. people, not everybody. Uh, Jews and Gentiles and all this other stuff. He said that was his mission to gain full citizenship rights for black folks. And that was in fifties when they did that. So if you look back at 
1863 after the Civil War, the Reconstruction period, when all those uh, amendments, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment, you can see clearly from our struggle here that black folks did not have full citizenship rights. That's why Dr. King said he got involved. They did not have full citizenship rights. Right or wrong, Richard? There you go. Okay. All right. Oh, let me play another one because he talks about in this clip about white backlash and we're seeing that now and it has never stopped. If you look and use history as your teacher, you can see that this backlash that you see uh, by white folks, I don't give a damn liberal, conservative, whatever, this backlash that you see is historical. Let me play what Dr. King said in reference to his struggle and the quote-unquote backlash. Isn't that part of the dilemma now? That people knew that Negroes were being, being denied what was guaranteed to them by the Constitution, by the fact that they were citizens of this country. Then when they were given those rights, do you feel the white community said, well, we've given them all that we have, now it's up to them? Well, I think the dilemma is much deeper, and I think uh, one during this period of transition has to be very honest with America. And honesty impels me to admit that America has uh, broad racist elements still alive. Racism is still uh, existing in American society in many areas of the society, North and South. And the other thing is that there has never been a single, solid, determined commitment of large segments of white America on the whole question of racial equality. Uh, I think we have to see that vacillation has always existed, ambivalence has always existed, and this to me is the so-called white backlash. It's merely a new name for an old phenomenon. I see the white backlash as a continuation of the same ambivalence and vacillation of white America on the whole question of racial justice that has existed uh, since the founding of our nation. Now, wait a minute, Richard. Did you hear what he just said? Since the founding. Since the founding. Now, he's using an historical perspective, not uh, these white folks. They've been marching with me and uh, all together and we can do it. He's not saying that, Richard. That's not what he's saying. I don't care how many white folks march with him. He's dealing with the reality of the situation. From what he's saying here. Unless he's telling a big lie. Mm -hmm. He's dealing with the reality of the situation. And about a backlash. That's what. What do you think this critical race theory and all this of, uh, redistricting and fighting voting rights? Isn't it the same backlash? Aren't we going through this again? King went through it. They went through it before King, long before he even was born and came on the scene. And we keep on going through this same thing. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to play it out in uh, a couple of other clips. We have to see that vacillation has always existed, ambivalence has always existed, and this to me is the so-called white backlash. It's merely 
a new name for an old phenomenon. I see the white backlash as a continuation of the same ambivalence and vacillation of white America on the whole question of racial justice that ex has existed uh, since the founding of our nation. I think the other thing that uh, we must see at this time is that many of the people who supported us in Selma, in Birmingham, were really outraged about the extremist behavior toward Negroes. But they were not at that moment, and they are not now, committed to genuine equality for Negroes. It's much easier to integrate a lunch counter than it is to guarantee an annual income, for instance, to get rid of poverty for Negroes and all these <coughs> people. It's much easier to integrate a bus uh, than it is to make genuine integration a reality and quality education a reality in our schools. It's much easier to integrate even a public park than it is to get rid of slums. And I think we are in a new era, a new phase of the struggle, where we have moved from a struggle for decency, which characterized our struggle for 10 or 12 years, to a struggle for genuine equality. And this is where we are getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh, to go this far. People were reacting to Bull Connor and to Jim Clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of genuine equality. Now, Richard. He said yeah. that they was reacting to Jim Clark and Bull Connor. And when they seen hoses and black people being hit upside the head and all that type of stuff. What's the difference when you seen these whites reacting, some, some of them reacting in embarrassment to Trump and some of the stuff he was saying? What's the difference? Mm -hmm. That's it. What is yeah. the difference? It is no difference. There is no difference as far as I'm concerned. There is no difference. That's it. Now, there's two other clips I want to play, and then we'll take a break. Uh, I want to hold that last one about the revolution of values. Maybe we'll talk about that in the second portion. But let me, two two other clips I want to play, and I want to read something in reference to something that he says here in this, this second clip that I'll play here, or the fourth, depending if you're counting. Let me play this one here. I mean, how do you find it? Uh, it's very subtle in the North, is it not? It's subtle, but it's um, becoming much more visible. Uh, it, uh, anybody can see that the schools are more segregated in the North today than they were in 1954 when the Supreme Court rendered its decision declaring segregation unconstitutional. Anybody can look around the ghetto and see that ghetto schools are predominantly segregated and devoid of quality. Anyone who moves through a major ghetto of our country will see the housing conditions. Uh, people don't have to be reminded that they are forced to live in slums in many instances, and they're often rat-infested, vermin-filled slums. And it isn't too hard to see the exploitation that the Negro confronts in the ghetto, where he is forced to pay uh, more for less and constantly trying to make ends meet, but because of either no job as a result of unemployment or uh, a job that is so uh, economically unprofitable that the person can't make ends meet. And I think they see all of these things and more and more. 
get all that. Um, <laughs> let, uh, that. Let me play this as a continuation of that. I'll play this. Hopefully I got all, get, get all this here. About the Negro. I mean, every other group that came as an immigrant somehow, not easily, but somehow got around it. Is it just the fact that Negroes are black? That's a part of it. And growing, that grows out of something else. You can't thingify anything without depersonalizing that something. If you use something as a means to an end, at that moment you make it a thing and you depersonalize it. The fact is that the Negro was a slave in this country for 244 years. That act, uh, that was uh, a willful thing that was done. The Negro was brought here and changed, treated in very inhuman fashion. And this led to the thingification of the Negro. So he was not looked upon as a person. He was not looked upon as a human being with the same uh, status and worth as other human beings. And the other thing is that human beings cannot continue to do wrong without eventually uh, rationalizing that wrong. So slavery was justified morally, biologically, uh, theoretically, scientifically, everything else. And it seems to me that white America must see that no other ethnic group has been a slave on American soil. Uh, that is one thing that other immigrant groups haven't had to face. The other thing is that the color became a stigma. American society made the Negroes' color a stigma, and uh, that can never be uh, overlooked. So I think these things are absolutely necessary. The other thing is that America freed the slaves in 19, I mean 1863 through the Emancipation Proclamation of Abraham Lincoln, but gave the slaves no land or nothing in reality, and as a matter of fact, to, to get started on. At the same time, America was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that there was a willingness to give the white peasants from Europe an economic base. And yet it refused to give its black peasants from Africa who came here involuntarily in chains and had worked free for 244 years any kind of economic base. And so emancipation for the Negro was really freedom to hunger. It was freedom uh, to the winds and rains of heaven. It was freedom without food to eat or land to cultivate, and therefore it was freedom and famine at the same time. And when white Americans tell the Negro to lift himself by his own bootstraps, they don't, they don't look over the legacy of slavery and segregation. I believe we ought to do all we can and seek to lift ourselves by our own bootstraps. But uh, it's a cruel jest to say to a bootless man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. And many Negroes, by the thousands and millions, have been left bootless as a result of all of these years of oppression and as a result of a society that deliberately made his color a stigma and something worthless. Richard. Here you go. Before we take a break, let me read this in reference to what Dr. King stated in that last clip. Because, you know, I appreciate not only him, but the other men that gave perspectives to our struggle because they always use history as a guide 
They don't never go off no personal experience with these people because things might get skewed when you're talking about a personal experience with a lot of these folks. You got to look at the experience of your people being here with them. That'll give you a true barometer on what's really going on. Let me read this here, Richard. It says, the largest migration in history was the so-called Great Atlantic Migration from Europe to North America. The first major wave, which began in 1840 with mass movements from Ireland and Germany. In the 1880s, a second and larger wave developed from Eastern and Southern Europe between 1880 and 1910. Some 17 million Europeans entered the United States. The total number of Europeans reaching the United States amounted to 37 million between 1820 and 1980. Now, check this out. This is reference to what Dr. King was stating. The Homestead Acts of 1862 and 1866 were several laws in the United States by which an applicant could acquire ownership of government or public domain, typically called homestead and all more than 160 million acres of public land or nearly 10% of the total area of the United States was given away free, which provided 160 acres of federal land to anyone who agreed to farm land. Most of the homesteaders was west of the Mississippi. Now the first homestead act was in 1862, Richard. Mm. And you know, in 1862, how most of our people were considered in this country. Now, here's the, (laughs) here's the shell game that Europeans has always played on black folks historically. The Southern Homestead Act of 1866. Now keep in mind, it was two acts that happened, two major acts, 1862, 1866. And you see that millions of whites was pouring into this country. The Southern Homestead Act of 1866 is a United States federal law enacted during the Reconstruction following the Civil War. So you know who that was in reference to, right? Mm-hmm. But when you read these things, they don't say black folks. That's why you got to follow history and, and watch the games of these people you, that you're talking about and dealing with. It says, now I'm going to read it again. The Homestead Act... Uh, The Southern Homestead Act of 1866 is a United States federal law enacted during the Reconstruction following the American Civil War. This act attempted to solve, to solve, attempted to solve the problem of land by selling land at a low price to Southerners who could buy it. Many people, however, could not participate because the low prices were still too high. Now, wait a minute, Richard. Notice what this says to Southerners who could afford it. Now, the Southerners was the ones that was fighting, quote, unquote, against the United States. And according to their own law, it says that if you were an enemy or fought against the United States, you couldn't participate in the Homestead Act. If you read that act, that's what it states. So who is this talking about? 
if this act was was put in place during Reconstruction after the Civil War. Now, let me finish it out, and then we'll take a break. The Southern Homestead Act was promised uh, by Congress and eventually passed and signed into law by Andrew Johnson on June 21st, 1866, going into effect immediately. The Southern Homestead Act opened up 46, over 46 million acres of public land uh, in the southern states of Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi. The land was initially in parcels of 80 acres, and homesteaders were required to occupy and improve the land for five years before acquiring ownership. Until January 1st, 1867, the bill specified only free blacks would be allowed to access these lands. According to the primary beneficiaries for the first six months were freedmen who were desperate need of land to fill. However, the law encountered many obstacles, notably Southern bureaucrats often not uh, complying with the law or with the orders of the Freedmen Bureau, notably not informing blacks of their opportunities to acquire land, violence from competing whites, poor quality of land offered, and poverty of the farmers who were often unable to effectively use the land without further money to invest. Ultimately, before too much land was distributed, the law was repealed in June of 1876. Nonetheless, uh, free blacks uh, entered applications of about 6,500 for homestead, and less than 1,000 eventually resulted in property certificates. So, Richard, you see what that had went on. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that's what Dr. King was talking about. That's why he said he was in that f- this fight to get citizenship for black folks. And, and black it, folks even now in 2022 feel as though that Europeans still consider them citizens. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's just... I, I, I just wanted because in the diversity that we have, as you you know, emphasizing what Dr. King and, and others, you know, you talked about uh, Thurgood Marshall and, and Charles Hamilton, you know, they were regardless of the diversity of how, as you said, we identified this ourselves. They were dealing with black folks as a whole. Class difference, uh, identification difference. This is what we need to secure our place. And in some, in that period, they would say manhood rights in this country. So compared to segments fighting for their thing, like they're fighting for everybody, but they're really just fighting for themselves. And white folks is using that. The system is using that, playing one against the other. You said 6,000? And only one thousand got it. <laughs> Less than one thousand. And, and they had. And wait a minute, hold it. It says sixty five hundred applied. Now you mean to tell me our, most of our people had just come out of slavery. You had millions. I, that's why I read off how many millions of Europeans had poured into this country. That's why they started that homestead act period. So only sixty five hundred. So what was the purpose of even that 1866 Homestead Act? These people ain't nothing but been bullshitting blacks since they've been involved 
here in this country, period. That's the that's the reality of it. If white folks don't want to deal with CRT or whatever, whatever they do, critical race, I don't want to hear all that bullshit from them. This is the reality of the situation. The original Homestead Act gave away millions of acres to poor whites that had got over here in this country. That they had stole after they murdered Native Americans. Stole their land and gave it to their brethren. And here, all that land down south that was taken from the so-called enemies of the country that fought against the Union was given right back to them. And we're talking today of, uh, is it, I think, one estimation when you talk about reparations, 14 trillion, 300,000 uh, a family. You, but you don't think, and I know I'm just, just the preacher to the choir. You don't think all that has to be considered. You know, all this stuff about, oh, we're going to give black people a few jobs. We're going to send some money to HBCU. That ain't no damn reparations. Look at what I just read historically, what happened to your people after they fought and, and preserved this damn union in this place. And then they played the shell game with them. Gave all the millions of acres to some old poor whites that didn't do a damn thing, didn't struggle for this country at all, run over here and got all that land after they murdered Native Americans and, and black folks that deserved the land from them old bigoted whites that kept them on plantations, they still couldn't get it. They passed the law one year and then repealed it a couple of years later. Yeah, but that ain't talked about in critical race theory or whatever that old bullshit they're talking about stopping. Those things ain't talked about in school and in your class. It ain't definitely ain't talked about to no white kids and ain't interested in knowing it. But you should be teaching this to your children. That way they won't figure these people are no friends of theirs. They'll understand clearly what they're dealing with. Let's take a brief break and when we come back, you know, if folks want to talk about this, or you can talk about anything you want, the lines is open, 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832, time for an awakening. We'll be right back. Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com. 
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global commit to you black family, to join your interconnected commit to you black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color, and that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country 
by this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you better think again. You're out of your mind and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions. Probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separatist position is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. You are listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. 
part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Uh, we're in Sunday edition, 820 here in the city of Philadelphia, and you can join the conversation if you choose to by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Let's go to 404 in Atlanta. 404. 404. Hey, right on, my brothers. You hear me earlier? Yes, sir. Uh, hey, you and Richard, man, I love y'all, man, because you don't have no cut card, man, on your show. You ain't like the rest of the radio, man. You call these clowns out, okay, black or white. So what you've said, the whole, what you've been playing right on the money, but I got to call some Negroes out, man, okay? Specifically, uh, Barry Gordon from Motown, man, okay? And his number two boy, Mickey Stevenson, man, okay? It's one of the, uh, uh, singers that used to sing for Motown. Her name is Kim Weston, man. Okay, she ain't got too many. She got enough hits, man. Where yeah, is uh, that Mickey Stevenson and Barry Gordon, they stole, they sold their catalog, the whole mu- uh, music catalog with, with all the songs that Mickey Stevenson wrote. Uh, December the 3rd, 2020. Okay? So, I, I, I know Miss Kim Weston, man. I know her. Brother, check this out, man. She 85 years old, man. All right? She ain't got no damn money. All that money she made more time, man. Okay? The lady broke, man. The lady got to have a GoFundMe account, man. Okay? And I talked to that Mickey Stevenson on your boy's show call. I don't know if you heard it, but I told him about Miss Kim Stevenson. And he promised before God uh, uh, called me and the rest of the list that he was going to make sure that lady get taken care of because they got uh, a performance fund, man, for all these singers that's broke, okay? He promised that, man. And so that was two or three months ago. So I talked to Miss Kim last Thursday night, man. The lady is broke, man. She got to have a GoFundMe account in Detroit. You know how cold it is up there, man. And check this out. Also, I ain't telling her this. But I could tell when she talked, man, she done damaged her vocal cords, man. Okay? She damaged her vocal cords, and bad regard to Mickey Stevenson made all that damn money from selling their catalog. They even got, I mean, I, I sent y'all the article, man. I sent the oldest, too. By all the groups that they wrote for, from the Four Tops, uh, Supremes, even Stevie Wonder, that's called Buddy, and, uh, 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 that they sold all their catalogs to, and that lady's sitting in Detroit starving, man. Okay, so I got to call them niggas out, bro. I, I, hey, 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 I got to do it, man. That's a damn shame. And on the top of this, check this out. Miss Kim used to be married to that damn crook, Mickey Stevenson, man, his ex-wife. Yeah, I, I'm okay, looking so at that to, now. I, 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 I said I'm I looking to, at that. I got to call mm-hmm. Yes, sir, man. So it pissed me off. See, I'm an empath, man. I, I, I can't help it. That shit bothered me. I'm sorry, anybody about saying that, man. But for that, do that lady like that, she 85. How many times we done heard uh, about our performers, entertainers, made all this money, and they die broke, man. And the minute they fall out dead, they go play their music and somebody get paid off of their money, man. Off of, off of, so I'm pushing for at least get her catalog, man. All right? So uh, anyway, that's, that's, that's on black on black. But 
what y'all got to say about that before I move on to the next episode? You and Richie. Um, I, I'm uh, just curious. He, uh, Stevenson was on calls. Yes, sir. About two or three months ago, man. What I was he talking? Well, what was he talking about? Uh, uh, all the groups in Motown. How he wrote for them and how good Motown was. I and and then he see. I didn't know he sold the whole. They sold the whole catalog in 2020, man. But just about three or four months ago, he sat there bragging about how Motown was the music at, and he was Barry Gordy, a uh, right hand man, and all this bull crap, man. So when I confronted him about Miss Kim, I asked him, "Did he know?" Her? He said, "Yeah." I, 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 well, I, he, he was, was married to her. Was, yeah, brother. Yeah, that's the sad thing about it, man. And then check this out: when she left Motown, she said they had—I don't like to say that word—but uh, 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 they prohibited her from making money, man. She couldn't get no gigs to see, man. Okay, she would have had more hits than that, man. Matter of fact, that's the lady that, that made or uh, lift every voice and sing popular, man. The black dog on uh, national anthem, man. And, and that's a shame, man. And that's a shame for God, man. I, how people do each other like that, man. And you, you can imagine when you they saw the whole Motown catalog. How much money you know they made a nice little chunk of change, man. You know that, bro. Wow. And they can't break that lid off not one quarter, man, one dime, man, one penny, man. So uh, it's all good. I'm going to bust their ass out all on social media and everything, man. That's what I'm going to do. Hmm. And give them some shame. They they win the foot on their ass all week, man. I'm a quick customer. But going back to what you were saying, man, about these uh, white folks, they, they broke every treaty. Me and you had a conversation. I don't see how nobody black could swirl with them, man. Could be up with them, man. Like uh, that was our Carl Anderson said about our uh, integration, right? Wasn't that that was him when he was young? Who said that? That clip you played by Carl Anderson said about anybody black pushes. Uh, oh, that, that was Amos Wilson. You sure that wasn't Carl Anderson? Amos Wilson. Okay, if you say so, bro. I, I ain't gonna debate. But whoever says they right on the money, okay. They right on the money. So uh, anyway, I want to ask you two questions. First, I'm gonna talk about this uh, this Supreme Court justice crap, man. One of them running. Check this out. It's Stacey Abrams' sister. She a, she a judge out here in Georgia, okay? And see, our people are always falling for the banana in the tailpipe, man. Because it, it don't matter who he, who he pick. He can put pick Boo Boo the Cloud. No, it's on it's on them devils that vote, man. Them same devils. That, that's holding up the show. So I'm looking at the vote, man. I ain't falling for this. But now the bank will say, yeah, I did nominate somebody black, but it didn't go through. See, they working together, man. So they can't fool me. I, I see you. They can't fool me at all. And then with this Trump thing, y'all ever know a devil to lock up another devil? Hmm? Well, I mean, I, what you talking to me in reference to? In reference to they talking about they trying to get pull charges on Trump, the ex president. Now you know that that's, a, that, that's yeah. a that's a waste of conversation in airtime. Yes, sir. And then we got this uh uh this this lady that's uh a Fulton County uh uh D eight talking about she going after Trump about when he made that phone call about to the Secretary of State down here to get uh find some votes. That's some BS right there. Them devils is not going to lock up their devils, man. And then I got another question for y'all. 
that you said what you said about uh, these folk lying. You ever y'all ever heard of a case where a black man killed somebody white in self defense and got off? Y'all ever heard about anything about that? Uh, no. Uh huh. So it's hard as hell for a black man to kill a white man in self defense and get off, man. Huh? Say what, Richard? Oh, I, I, just, I haven't heard. Mike, not saying that it hasn't happened. I ain't heard of either, man. I give you two cases recently. It's a case in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where uh, uh, where Ocean them love to talk about, and uh, 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 Dr. Rogers, they love Milwaukee and Wisconsin. Okay, they love that place. But I never, I tell you what, it's a case that the brother was just convicted, and he pleaded self-defense. Check this out now. This is already going to blow y'all mind. I think you might have heard me tell I think I said it to you, Elliot, about this brother. You riding down the street on a bicycle down, okay? At the same time, this black lady with her white husband sitting in the bar drinking. So when they leave the restaurant, the bar, the white guy, he too drunk. So he sits in the passenger side. His black wife driving. So she swerved a, a car and hit the brother on the bicycle, knocked him down, and, and cussed him out, suggested racial slurs at it. Nigga, get your block of the block out the road, blah, 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 blah. And so, that, I mean, that, that'll make anybody mad. So the brother called him at a light. So he asked him, why y'all hit me, blah, 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 blah. They start, the white dude and the, the sister start uh, yelling out racial slurs again at it. Okay, this good, blah, 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 blah. And, and the white dude sitting on the passenger side, the brother clicked, man. I mean, that's what this one went wrong. Cause when the, it's hard to contain yourself. So when when the white guy called in all kind of racial slurs, my man popped him, man. Gave him a one piece of a biscuit right upside the dome, right? <laughs> so he rode off. And so uh, the white dude told the sister, go follow him, follow him, like he was a, 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 a Mark Arby, follow him. So they followed brother. And then when they, when they caught up to him, the white dude gets out the car now. It's out the car, run up to my brother, and mind me, they on top of a stairwell with a 25-foot drop. So the brother kept saying, go head on, don't come towards me, man. So the, the dude was drunk and, 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 and came at my man, so he popped him and went to the dome, man. He, he shot him in the head. So he was trying to plead self-defense, man. And, and I mean, he see, he messed up. He, well, in a way, he would have said, they talk, they flipped the script on him and charged him with murder, reckless uh, homicide, and you should see. I see. I watch the court TV, man, and so I'm on the court TV because I love to see what's going on with our people and and they, and they lying ass. So uh, they they convicted my brother, man, a, a homicide, first degree, all. And you should see he had two black lawyers, man, and you could see the way that judge in Milwaukee and the defense attorney, both of them white. You should see the way they were talking to the black lawyers, man. The whole case was set up. So I say I'd never go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They, they made my man guilty, man. And check this out. He got five little children, man. Five little children. And, 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 and that's Milwaukee. But the other case is down here uh, in Bullitt County, somewhere in Georgia, where a brother was, I don't know if he was riding or walking down the street. So these these white devils rode up on him, run him off the road, calling him racial slurs. And he clicked off too, man, and licked off around out of a kid, a white woman in the, in the car, man. So, I mean, self-defense for a black man is hell in America, man. And I noticed I ain't here. No, the, the case be quiet, man, in Milwaukee. 
I ain't hear nothing from Sharp Tongue, the rest of them devils, man. Ain't nobody. It's the case be quiet, man. And, and my man got convicted, man. They they, they throw the throw the throw the uh, book at him. Get it. it's a shame, man. America, man. I I, I hate this country, man. Because they lost lost me to me, lying ass white people, man. The L A W. So what y'all got to say about, about what I'm talking about, man? I appreciate y'all letting me uh, uh bring the news. Cause I, I look at y'all show as it's news from the north, east, west, and south. That's what news means, man. Bring information. I love y'all for this, man. Letting the brother vent. So uh, y'all can collaborate. Uh, what I'm, what I said. I know I put a lot on the table. Well, let me go back to you mentioned about um, somebody uh, Trump had communicated with somebody in Florida about the the votes in it, Georgia. In Georgia. Yes, sir. With Secretary and, of State. And you waiting for somebody to prosecute him? Something you said in that nature. That, or I, that I he should be prosecuted. Or that he yes, should. Sir, be. What I'm saying is, she wasted her time going after him. I, I, that, that's a lost cause to me. Oh, oh, okay, all right. I was, I was trying to figure out where you was going. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because listen, that that type of stuff. I mean, it has happened to black folks before with their voting, in in when in, mm-hmm. re, in recent years. Uh, what was his name, Richard, that uh, ran against uh, 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 George Bush the second time? And. Uh, I think it came down to Florida and all those votes. The hanging chair. Yeah, it's Gore. Go. And they threw out all them black folks' votes down there. Uh, his brother threw it out for, Jeb Bush threw it out for his brother. And nothing yeah. ever happened. Yeah. And Gore didn't even force the issue. So, you know, it, that's not the first time that blacks' votes have been disfranchised in recent history. So, you know, it, come on. That, that all goes back to what we're talking about. If you're a citizen or considered a citizen of the United States, that would not happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and see, one thing what King said about they justify, rationalize what they're doing, to me, he failed to say that whatever they're doing will have some repercussions and consequences, man. It's time for these folks to stop getting away with all this crap, man. You don't get some respect. Prosperity and consequences for the stuff they done done us, man. That's the way I see the universe gonna take care of it. If I, if not me first, if I catch one of them, that's the way I am, man. And I, I like I said, bro, I can't see nobody black even laying up with them, man. Cause every damn thing you said been a lie, man. They done broke every treaty, man. And how can I people just lay up with them, man, and be with them, man? That just that that's that's insanity to me, man. If you know the devil is messing over you, what you want to go lay down with the devil and marry the devil for, man? Either that's mental fucking Ill, excuse me, mental illness, insanity, or something, man. That don't that don't sit right to me, man. But so anything else, y'all, y'all want to elaborate before I uh, let y'all go back to regular scheduling, deprogramming? Because we try to deprogram. I love y'all, man. We deprogram our people, man. Brain scrubbing their brain, man. Get this mess out of this doodle out their head, man. What these folks doing and have done, man. Thanks for your contribution, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, my brother. So back to regular schedule to deprogram and reprogram the dead, man. It's hard. It's hard. I love you and Richard, man. I love you because you keep it 1,000, man. You ain't got no cut card, but now devil. I love you, bro. Talk to you later. Yes, sir. Peace. Let's go to 505, 505. Question or comment? 
Uh, I'm just listening, man. I find it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say, man. Where do we go from here? That's the point. You know, because this is, this shit is off the chart, man. Good program as usual. That's all I get to. Where do we go from here? <laughs> uh, brother, thanks for your contribution. Keep listening. I'm going to listen, man. All right. I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Middle of nowhere out here in New Mexico. These black folks out here are unbelievable. Where do we go from here? <laughs> you got it. All right. Thanks for your contribution. Yes, sir. Let's go to 678. 678. <clears throat> 678, are you there? Let's put them back on hold. Let's go to 215-215. Hey, hey, brother Elliot, how you doing, my my good brother and friend? How you doing, brother Richard, my good brother and friend? How y'all brothers doing tonight? Everything's good. Uh, praises be to Allah. You know, Elliot, I don't know where to start, brother. You and Richard and, and brother West, y'all put it loud on the table. Good stuff, by the way. And Richard, you and you and Elliot's commentary, especially your commentary, brother Richard, was spot on. Let, let, let me say this, Elliot. I'm going to say what brother West said about the Kim West. I'm going to say that for last. But uh, Elliot, what you just what you said earlier. About how they how they how they don't respect black people, citizens and stuff. How how they take our votes and they steal them and all that kind of stuff. I don't remember, but I'm sure your 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 your, your father Elliot may God you know be pleased with him. I'm sure he told you about the story, or you might remember yourself, Elliot, with the late great Georgie Woods, the guy with the goods, the legendary uh, disc jockey and radio activists who and stuff who, who did a lot for the black community. I was a good friend of Georgia, was a good friend of mine, God the good. Well as you know, brother Elliot and Brother Richard, in the time from Wigan Listen audience, Georgia had ran for Congress back in I think sixty seven, sixty eight, whatever it was, one of them years, he ran against the Italian white boy, Tom Fugietta, who was the congressman who was the sitting congressman at the time. All the polls, you know, I had had a exit polls, Elliot and Richard all the polls show that Georgia had upset him because they, they nobody really gave Georgia to, but the black community came out strong, and Georgia had won the election. Right? And uh, all the polls show, all the exit polls say Georgia was, the, without a doubt, clear winner. When Georgia woke up the next day, they said, forget the one. <laughs> Do you remember that, Elliot? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they, they pretty much stay. In other words, they pretty, excuse my language, they said, F y'all ends. We're going to take this. They're going to take this election from, from this nigga. We don't give a shit what you say. I mean, they blatantly stole the election from right in front of black people's face. This right here in the city of Philadelphia, the so-called city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. I mean, that was outrageous, man. I mean, how the hell is all of all, every, every TV station, all these poll people back then, my father, you know, he, cause he, 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 I remember I was only about maybe, what, eight, seven, eight years old when it happened. So I have a big memory of it. But my dad had told me, he said, everybody was satisfied. The black people were celebrating throughout North Philly, South Philly, wherever. He said, George, you're going to be our next congressman. He wakes up the next day, forget the one. I mean, I mean, come on, man. I mean, this is the kind of stuff they do to black people in this country, man. You know? So, I mean, it's not, that's why I'm not no shocked what these, these devils do when it comes to our people, man. They have no respect, and they got these handkerchief head boot-looking coons representing us, man. It's a disgrace. And they're like, when you were talking to Brother Richard in your commentary, you were saying how they try to sanitize Dr. King and Malcolm 
to be palatable for white people. See, when you, when, see, when you played those speeches by Dr. King, see, you don't hear that a lot on terrestrial, on this black terrestrial radio station. I mean, they're getting a little better now because I've been on their ass for the last couple of years about playing all, all those I Have a Dream and the Jews and Gentiles. I don't want to hear that shit. I want to hear Dr. King's speeches at the end when he was calling white America out and stuff like that because, like you said, they try to sanitize these brothers. I never forget Brother Ellen Richard but Brother Rob, the late great Brother Rob said one time, he said, Brother Joe, he used to call me Yusuf, a Muslim name. He said, Brother Yusuf, if Malcolm came back today, he would recognize himself. He said he turn Malcolm to a racist, man. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's what these Europeans do. And these handkerchief-haired, boot-licking Negroes, they go right along with it, let them sanitize Dr. King, sanitize Malcolm, they make them powerful to white people. Man, I don't, I don't play that game with these people, man. I give the straight-up Malcolm, even after Malcolm broke with the nation, Malcolm never, never was called for integration with white people. You know, that's that misnomer, like Malcolm was some kind of Negro. To, he, to Malcolm's dying day, Malcolm was calling white folks out. And if anybody doubt what I say, go to February the um I think it was February the 16th or 17th, he was down in, in, in Selma, Alabama, on the same dais with, with Coretta Scott King. And Malcolm was saying down there that uh, he, that, they, that with these white lynch mobs, the Klan, all these white people attacking black people, burning black churches and all that. He said black people need to have every right to protect themselves against this, these white terrorists. So and Now, Malcolm was saying that, and that was like five or six days before his death. So Malcolm was saying that stuff then how the hell he became a handkerchief head or integrations? No, no integrations talk like that, Ellen Richie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You would have been saying, Lord, we love our enemies. Play, praise them, no matter what the white man do, be smack your cheek, you turn the other cheek. Ain't no strong black man talking like that. So this misnomer that Malcolm became some kind of handkerchief head or integration, Malcolm, to, like I said, to the, to the day he left this world, Malcolm was still calling white folks out. And and, 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 and see, and that's so important now, Lady Richard, for our young people to know this, because see, if you leave it to the, to the, to the Jim Clyburns of the world, the Coon Clyburns of the world, they'll be teaching our, our people that Dr. King and, and and Malcolm was, was some kind of integrationist Negroes that was just loving up on white folks. That's why, that's why we got to control the narrative, man. We can't let these Negroes put this stuff out about these brothers, man, because it's, it's a disservice to their legacy. You understand what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's a disgrace, man. These Negroes are a disgrace, man. And see how it, before I talk about Brother West's situation with our sister who's, who, who's suffering right now, Kim Weston, you know, on this Supreme Court justice thing again, I remember the late, great Brother Fred, who was, again, an activist here in Philadelphia who made transition back in 2008. Like Fred always say, we got to be very careful about black face on white power. Now, if you look at it from a judicial standpoint, of course those four black women are qualified. You know, if you go by the white so-called devil's uh, standards about being a qualification for Supreme Court, of course they qualify. They all went to law school. They, they didn't, they've been lawyers. You know, probably did both sides of it. They probably been prosecutors as well as maybe defense lawyers. But it's not about their qualifications. It's about their mindset. Because I never forget, Brother Alex, I lived through this, and I'm sure y'all did as well. When, when that Uncle Coon, Clan, Uncle Clance, back then you had black folks, even on, on, on the black radio station at that time, the black terrestrial radio station, WHAT, you had certain Negroes called, and I'll give Clarence Thomas a chance. He's a black man, this and that. Even though he had showed 
even before that, even you know, he, before he became a, 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 a Supreme Court, he had showed he was a real Negro. He's a white folks Negro. He showed that even before he became a. But yeah, you still had Negroes. Oh, if he get in there, he'll do the right thing. You know, the, the you know he'll get took by the moment. And I said, I mean, the all this bullshit. And Clarence Thomas, as soon as he became a Supreme Court judge, he showed just what the Negro he was then and what he what he is now and what he gonna be to the day he leaves this earth. You know what I mean? So, I mean, so 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 this notion that we get, so we get we gotta stop all this because they are see a black woman or he a black man. I, I, I'm way I'm I'm a sixty year old black man, Ellen Richard. I'm way beyond this first black shit. That don't impress me no more. We had that went through that with Obama. Oh, he the first black. I don't care about that stuff, man. When I'm on a job, when I work at the hospital in Jersey, Cooper Hospital, Negroes would say, "Oh man, we got a black supervisor." And I say, "Well, it's nice that you got a sister brother, but I said let's find out where their head is at first before you pray because he might be." A Coon and, and Ellie, nine times out of ten, except for maybe one brother when I was at the hospital, them Negroes who they brought in to be supervisors, they was hard on black folks than they was on white folks. White folks used to sit back and let white folks get away, do all kinds of BS and get away with it. But their own people, you come back late from lunch, they better write you up, get you reprimanded and everything. So, and they said, Joe, you was right. I said, all I'm saying is that before you start praising them Negroes, find out where his or her head is at. Because just because they black don't mean shit. Like, 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 like Cecil B. Moore say, they may, they be, they may be your, 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 your skin folk, but don't mean they're your kin folk. You know what I mean? And that's the Bottom line, bro. You know, if a sister brother got conscious, they love their people all well and good. But don't don't, don't disappoint these niggas right off the bat because they black. Find out where them niggas' heads is at. So those four sisters that that they nominating and stuff. I, hey, look, like I said, the one I'm really leery about, and I'm not ready to put the other three on a pedestal either. But the one I'm definitely leery about is the one child. You know what I mean? Because the fact that you got people like uh, Tim Scott, uh, that coon, you got. Um, and Lindsey Graham, and you got Clyburn, you know, singing her, singing, singing her praises. That right, that uh, that right did give me pause for concern. You know what I mean? I'm just being real, Ellen. Which that give me pause for concern. You know what I mean? So you know, before we jump all over and, and put, and, and let's just say for sake of argument that the that the sister is conscious and she get there. Well, she's she's you know, I mean, I guess anything else is be the blank, but she still ain't gonna be better to do. But so much, you know, she's sincere because she's surrounded by all those white bigots and stuff. You know what I mean, Ellen Richard? You know, yeah, I mean, y'all don't white bigots that Trump putting in and Reagan and putting them putting in. So she, she she's still gonna be at a disadvantage even if she's got the right intentions. I mean, so we just gotta keep this thing in perspective and and, and stuff like that before we get all googly out and again we went all throughout when we went through all this with Obama. Oh man, Obama gonna change the world. He you know, he what Obama was saying. What a uh, yes, we can. That was his motto, and he got in there with a, a handkerchief head to the to the to the T. I mean, come on, man. We got we got to be smarter than that. We can't just keep going for that okey doke, man. You know what I mean? Cause like you said, this is what they do. They play the shell game with our people, man. You know, and we just can't keep falling. But Ellie, let, I'm, let me say this real quick about uh, about uh, the situation with uh, Kim Weston. I wasn't aware of that story, brother West, brought it to our attention because. You know, Ellie, it's sad because I'm, you know, I feel what Brother West is saying. And, and Brother West, let me say this to Brother West directly. Brother West, you you ain't got nothing to apologize for because I've said a long time ago, I love black men, but I don't like niggas. It's a difference between a nigger and a black man. And these niggas, whether it be Barry Gordon or the rest of them, they do that stuff to our people like white people do. They're not black men. They niggas. And that's just, I make that as clear as day. And I, and I say all that to say this, Elliot. See, this is why. 
like Brother West correctly said, when you see so many about great black entertainers that make all the money while they're living or, or whatever and get robbed while they're even performing and they wind up dying broke because they get they get unstrupulous Negroes that take on the same persona of their white slave master and do to their people what, what the um, white man, because right here in Philadelphia, yeah, Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff were sued by the spinners and some of these other groups for, for ripping them off. I mean, we got to be better than that, man. You know, the white man has historically been to our people. Why would you? If them niggas had their head in the right place, they could still become millionaires and still make sure that these artists are properly compensated. But no, what do they do? They take on the same persona of the white devil. They rip their people off and exploit them, just like the white man do. And see, how they, and I'll close with this so, so other people get on. This is why, Brother West, if you still listen, this is why Sam Cook. And I mean, people need to understand the true story. This is why Sam Cook and Otis Redding mysteriously died. You know, as you know, and, 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 and contrary to what a lot of people realize, Ella, when Sam Cook was killed, people still under the belief he was shot by that black woman. Sam Cook never was shot. He was beat to death. The funeral director who did it and stuff, he said many times, he said, when I, when, I, when I had Sam's body in the funeral home, he said Sam had no bullet hole. He said Sam's fist. He had, he had uh, bruise marks all over his hand, all over his face, like he was in a fight for his life. He said, wasn't a bullet hole in Sam's body. Sam Cook was beat to death. And, and, and as you know, with Otis Redding, he died mysteriously in like two feet of water where a damn child could have walked through. And the reason why I bring these brothers up, and this goes back to Brother West was saying, because see, Sam Cook and Otis Redding, they see how the entertainment industry was working. They see how, 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 how manipulative and corrupt and stuff the white man was, these white business people, how they did our people stealing and robbing these brothers and sisters from, from getting compensated properly and from getting their royalties and all the stuff that these people do. So they so they was trying to, at the time of their death, because Otis died and got died and got killed in 67 and, and, and Stan Cook in 64, but they both they was ahead of their time. They was trying to get all these black artists under their wing when stuff they, had, they could cut out the middleman, these white men and these corrupt Negroes, cut them out. They didn't they didn't want to they didn't want to have to deal with a Barry Gordy or some white boy like Clyde, the one that was you know they ripped off Whitney Houston. They want to deal with people like that. So what they did, they they wanted to form their own little label and get these brothers and sisters under the label because at the time of, of Sam's death, he, he was he was in the process of getting uh, Rita Franklin, Bobby Womack, all these people under his label, so so these brothers and sisters could make could, could sing and perform and get properly compensated. So they wanted to deal with these house Negroes and, and, he, and these white men, these white Jews and white men ripping them off and all that kind of stuff. And that's why both of these brothers mysteriously got killed because there was a threat to the establishment. And a lot of people need to know that and stuff, man. You know what I mean? So you know, I just wanted to say that, Ellen, in closing, man. But thanks for giving me the time, Ellen. I, I, I get off with somebody else could get on, okay? Put me on mute, brother, Ellen. Thanks for your contribution. You're welcome, man. Richard? Can't hear you. You there? Uh, your mic is down. Oh. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I hear you now. Okay, I just want to make sure I hadn't lost you. Uh, let's go to six. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, Richard's on Clubhouse. No. <laughs> now, now, what you trying to do, Otis? You see how I got, I got to deal with Otis. <laughs> but I'm not. 
Yeah, I'm noticing Otis is on, you know, you know, I'll be telling you about Clubhouse and all of a sudden I notice Otis is on there and we're in the same room sometimes. I'll leave that alone for another time. Oh, okay. I was wondering. <laughs> okay. Let's go to 646. 646. Hey, what's happening, um, Richard and Elliot? Listen, you was talking earlier about this whole woman with the um, Supreme Court. What's the big damn deal? I mean, seriously, if you if you put it into context and you really be honest with it, with a six three court, what the hell difference is she gonna make? She gonna spend the next twenty, thirty years trying to convince a Neanderthal to act like a human. That's all. She's not gonna be able to make decisions that's gonna sway a decision that's gonna give insight that's gonna do anything to change them devil's minds i mean to me that's that's a waste of time to me man that's that's what brings on agenda you know i mean who wants to constantly be at a battle to 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 try and convince a a a a white person to think and act human. You know what I'm saying? And in the process, I mean, in all honesty, what has the Supreme Court really done for black folks anyway? That ain't basically benefit everyone. It's like you had a situation a couple of months ago talking about an Asian um bill of protection against violence that don't protect black people too it's just black people don't want to admit to it but it protect black people too because you can't have a bill or a law that just protects one ethnic group ah don't work like that so because we never really control or deal with the true narrative of anything they use it to manipulate and play against each other, one another, and, and, and things of that nature. But no, man, I don't, I'm not gonna cap for or respect no white woman or white man or black man or anybody that sleep with outside their race, man. You know, that's the most evil thing you could do is to sleep with the enemy. I ain't, I ain't doing it, bro. I, I have I done it? Yeah, when I was young, naive, and stupid. Yeah, I did it once. Was a, you know what I mean? It was nothing special, you know? But as I got older and matured and started to gain a degree of consciousness, nah, man, I would never do that. I mean, think about it. If this black woman has a white husband and she has a kid, how is, number one, she defined the child? And how is she going to lay next to some devil and tell the devil, well, I'm I'm going to vote against your best interest? Come on, man. I mean, these are just little things. And, they, and, they, and, and this is what they give us, and we're supposed to be happy because there's a black woman on the bench. Man, you got Clarence Thomas on the bench. 
what the hell he done did? You know, and I mean, crime promise more concerned about the interests of his white wife and her people than she than he's ever been concerned about the interests of black people. And I mean, if you really want to be honest about it, Clarence is more aware and astute of black issues than most Negroes are. You know? I mean, come on. Seriously. Clarence is not one of these Negroes who has never read a book in regards to black people, who's never been around struggle, who's never been in debate in regards to the destructiveness of white folks, who has never challenged white supremacy. I mean, that would happen over the process. I mean, I guess he figured out, you know, the other side was better, was for whatever his interest became. You know, maybe he was so dark that a needy who told him he couldn't get no cookie and it damaged him. I don't know. You know what I mean? But ain't nobody going to never tell me that the stuff that Clarence Thomas be ruling on and against, he don't know to be the truth. You know what I mean? It's just well, who, what his, who, his politics who, has moved on to. Who was saying things of that nature? Well, where did oh, you? Black people, black people have black people have said it. I've heard numerous of of black people wanna make the narrative that he's a total a total Uncle Tom and he ain't never read nothing and he ain't never been a part. Well, of I mean, him being Uncle program. Tom is different than he don't know what he's ruling on. He yeah, knows but, what, he's but, know what he's ruling on. Yeah, but uh, that's what I'm saying. He knows what he's. He's rolling against what is basically most of the time fact. You know, he, he knows. He's not he's not one of those people that has probably never read a book or never has no real perspective on black white issues. You know what I mean? I mean No, he on, don't man. he don't what, what were you gonna say, Richard? Yeah, well, one, I, I think, as you said, you know, one, he was, you know, raised in, in poverty in, in, in the South. Two, and two, he was, I mean, his college years, if I remember correctly, he was involved in um, black black student union and even was um, an advocate for, uh, as a, a Malcolm, um, in relationship to, you know, agreeing with um, Malcolm's, uh, Malcolm's a way of thinking and, and worldview and philosophy. But the question I would have when you're raising, yeah, so that therefore he does have a uh, historical perspective of black historical perspective by experience and by uh, action. But when this author says that Clarence Thomas, uh, as a conservative, voted to weaken the Voting Rights Act of 1965, um, would would we consider that uh, uh, act? Regardless of how we see ourselves in this in this country, will we see the, see consider that act as a black man um, voting against it? Um, an act that, as it says, um, as it relates to black people, um, something that we would think that um, he shouldn't do because of his uh, upbringing and because of his um, prior, you know, maybe just like you mentioned, youthful experience in dabbling with um, black power um, and, uh, and a, a black 
black power perspective or worldview. This, well, that, this voting my dad. That shows the contradiction of his madness. But then again, man, we, we really have to put the Civil Rights Bill of 1965 into context, man. Think about it. White folks play a real long game. They play a game to where as they envision what they need to do to do what? Stay in power. So when they passed this law 50-some years ago, they knew the priorities that they needed to have in place to be able for what's going on right now with this civil rights bill to happen. Because if it wasn't the case, they could have just passed the law back in 1965 where there wouldn't have to be no renewal, no amendments, no nothing to it. They could have just passed the law. And then, you know, people would have had their right to vote from here to eternity. But because they know what the future holds in the direction that the country was going in, and they knew that they had to protect themselves, that's why they never did it. That's why they always had to, you know, renew it and things of that nature. Then the last time, if you notice, there were 16 Republicans who signed it to renew it to the period of time that it is now, right? That was beneficial. Now it's not beneficial. So what do they do? They don't sign it. And the bottom line is that's why I don't get mad about it. Because the unfortunate thing is when your people that sold the desire is to integrate into a system of madness and you don't have the understanding or the foresight to know that these white folks play the long game, then as far as I'm concerned, you get what the F you deserve. Because we should have had leadership, supposed leadership, thought merchants and people of that nature who should have known that based on the structure of these bills and the way things was, that this was a possibility and not go for the okie doke. So because you go for the okie doke, because you believe you should accept what the white man give you, black ass, now you in this trick bag. So what does the trick bag place you in a situation of continuing vagueness. So now you got to beg them and all of that. It's just like I always thought Joe Madison was a joke. It was a joke. You think, you think a white man wasn't going to let you kill yourself to, 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 to prevent him and place him in a position to where 20 years from now it would strip some of his power? Come on, man. Let that Negro die. I And I ain't mad at him. To be honest with you, I don't care. I don't care because I'm not going to sit up here and try and make it seem as though white folks should play fair. You don't play fair when, when you're about power, when you're about trying to sustain your position. That's the sad thing about black folks. 
we don't do anything whatsoever to create or sustain a position of power. It's always about trying to get along with your enemy. You can't get along with your enemy. Your enemy only uses and manipulates you to make you think that he's going to do something for you, get along with you. But the one thing you don't realize is every chance he gets to cut your throat, he's going to cut your throat. It's that plain and simple. But nobody wants to say that. So where here it is, you got Joe Biden about to nominate a black woman, and all these Negroes are so happy and elated about this black woman being nominated to sit on the bench where she ain't going to have no effing power whatsoever. And her sole job is to spend all her time to maybe write some descending statement and to try and convince some white folks to act humanely. And when it's all said and done, they ain't going to act humanely and they're going to do their thing. I would be more impressed if it was a 4-4 or a 5-4. Because, matter of fact, I would say if it was 5-4, I would be impressed because then if your logic and your ability and your talent is so gangster, then you should be able to get one of them devils to change their mind or dissent from being a participant in it. You know what I mean? But, hey, it ain't that type of party. So what you do is you go, you sit on the bench, you make your 200000 for the rest of your life, and you just let it play out and let it play out. Because in all honesty, if it was really about the republic and society, he would he would make changes to the court. Let me, let me you know what I mean? He would make changes to the court. To whereas it would be a, 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 a sense of where, hey, you add, you add four. Or you add three and you make it to where now your bastards got to work. Now y'all got to convince one another or whatever. But that's that's not what the that's not what the deal is. Let me ask you this. Well, what are the issues that you see that the Supreme Court um, will um, be addressing that relates to black folks specific, if any? The issues that's gonna be relating to black folks. What are, what are, is there any any um, anything that you see we may come to, or is at, in the Supreme Court right now? There's, there's no issue. There's no issue in the Supreme Court right now that's gonna really affect black folks. That her black ass to be able to change the mind I'm of the, white folks, not, which is the interest of white folks. I, I, I don't want to get into the, the, the horse race, and I understand your point on that, but I'm just trying to get the question of whether we should be conscientious of issues that may well, you have to you have to be you have to be you have to be conscientious of the issues and I'm but the reality but the reality is your consciousness of the issues doesn't mean that I, it's gonna be 
addressed in your benefit. Perfect oh, example, abortion. No, wait a minute. I don't want Roe you I don't want you to get it. See, what, what I'm trying to advocate for us to do is to at least know what they are. We can recognize that the person who does it may not be doing it in our interest. We can recognize that that if um, that they that as you say, the white folks have a plan, whatever it is. But I think that we should, at least in our dialogue with each other, at least be aware what we see that those issues are like uh, if, if this whole thing of voter, you know, what's the 14th Amendment that is constitutional, but has an effect. And we see even with in this article with Thomas weakening it, that comes not only 65, but that goes back to the 14th Amendment. So are there other issues that we need to be conscientious about, regardless of they, the horse race of it, but we as a community, as a people should be about. And, and individually, we may have different ones we see, because we say well, certain... Well, well I, I can only, at, at this time, um, maybe maybe affirmative action case that's coming up, I think, this week, Roe versus Wade. Other than that, I mean, just the, just the novel. You, okay. you know what I mean? But because the courts is the way that it is right now, those cases are basically already set on how they're going to be deemed settled, and it's not going to be for the beneficial of people of color or those that they're against. I mean, that's why, you know, McConnell and the boys did, you know, what they did to stack the court on a 6-3. So the bottom line is we could say all these things, we could do all those things, but there's no challenge. There's, there's no system in place to do anything because the court, is it even in a situation to where it could be challenged on the level of ideas? Because the ideas have already been set. So, I mean, to me, that's the it's a waste of time to argue. I'm not I'm not sitting no place trying to convince Neanderthal to act human when I already know that um, the Neanderthal ain't gonna act human. Come on, man. That's that's wasted time. That's playing games with me. I don't. Yeah, I don't but who? But who is saying that? Who? Is, who is saying that? What? Who is saying that? Yo, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? I just asked you a question. That? Who is saying Anybody, that? I'm saying it because that's the fact of the matter. Anybody that got some effing sense is saying that. What are you trying Wait a to minute. say? Anybody that got sense is saying that you're supposed to be convincing. You you supposed to be convincing you opinion. You supposed to be convincing you opinions to act. Uh, what are you, what are you saying? Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying. Listen to me clearly. This black woman is supposed to go on the Supreme Court to get the six members who are conservatives to change their position to rule on cases in a manner that are not 
of a conservative bitch. Okay, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's why I'm asking you who's saying that. Because if you, as a black man, could question any of these women, what would you ask them? What would you ask them? Ask the women that are being nominated for the position? That's not a hard question. See, this this will stop. you talking about those women? Wait a minute. That's not a hard question. I just told or just asked you, what would you ask them? You don't understand what I just asked you? Oh, oh, okay. I just want to be clear. What would would you ask them them as a black man, as a black man that's part of a collective or supposed to be, what would you ask them in reference to them even being on a court? I'll tell you what I would ask them. What is your purpose? What is your purpose to be be on the court? What do you see yourself doing to push forward the court to deal in equality, fairness, and things of that nature? What What is your purpose? That's what I would ask you. What do you look to? What are you looking to achieve in the court? What are you looking to achieve in the court? What are you What are you there to do? Well, you already know what they're there to do. Yeah, but but the, but the, the thing is this: the thing is this. Uh, those people are not dumb. Believe me, they're not dumb. Thomas, these entities, uh, potential nominees—they're not stupid people. They went to some of the best schools in this country. And they were chosen because of their intellect and knowing that they know, quote unquote, constitutional law, things of that nature, just like Obama. I think he was a constitutional attorney, wasn't he, Richard? Yeah. So these people are not stupid. The question that you should be asking and black media should be asking. If they was able to even interview these people, which uh, who knows, that's questionable, too. But their opinions, their constitutional and legal opinions in reference to black people's citizenship in this country. You just talked about a little while ago about 64 Voting Rights Act. Based on their own constitution, the 14th Amendment, or 14th or 15th, one or the other, there is no need for any 64 Civil Rights Voting Rights Act. There is no need for debates on voting rights. White folks, is there, is there any debates on white folks' voting rights? Or any other nationality? Is there any debates on their voting rights? That's a question. Um, not, to, not that I know of. Well, no, the it's answer is no, it's not. Because okay, so the people, are, know, white folks are, black folk. that's my whole point. Those are the questions that should be asked of these people. And black media should be asking. I just gave you a, a, a detail of what happened during uh, white folks' immigrations here to this country where tens of millions came here and got the Homestead Act passed for them, 1862 and 66. And black people were supposed to have been citizens uh, after the Reconstruction and with the amendments added to their sacred document 
saying you are now citizens. It's no need for amendments, debates on voting rights, debates on what you uh, learn in school and all this other bull crap. But there's constant debates on this because you're not a citizen. Those are questions that those people should be asked, including that Clarence Thomas. So in what, your what in your legal saying, opinion, let me, let me in your me. legal opinion you're and saying, your constitutional opinion, is black people are, are black people considered citizens? Okay, I would love so to get the answers. Black people are not citizens. Then. What do you mean? What I'm saying? No, I'm, I'm saying based on everything that you just said. Well, if you know history and use history as your teacher and guide, no, black people are not considered citizens. You might consider well, yourself a citizen, but black people are not considered citizens. Well, well, let me ask you this: Why is that? Why is that never? Uh, why is that narrative never discussed on the matter or in the matter in which you just speak of? What's your opinion on on that? Go ahead. Because you said, people like you said, and I I hate to personalize, that the concern of regardless in relationship to this position, and and it goes through Mm -hmm. other positions too, because they are so much into whiteness that we shouldn't even raise the question because it's foolish because we know that the people who are put in front of us are only going to be servants for white folks. So we shouldn't have the discussion amongst ourselves on whether we are citizens or not. And if not, what do we do as the brothers? Hey, hey Richie, what you, what you just, what you just saying, um, you said. Is, is slightly, is, is slightly ignorant, but I'll re- No, it no, it's not. Since you, no, no, it is. I'm going to tell you why. Because if you if you know that or you feel that way, why is it it not something that you will push? Why is it not something that you constantly? And I'll give you a perfect example of someone who who I does said, it. I said, so people, let me finish. Let me just say the person. <laughs> let me just say the person who constantly does the type of narrative from which you speak of, Franklin Jones. Right. I mean, Jones Franklin Jones. Probably, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. I, yeah. I mean, nobody knows who you're talking about. Let me let me help you with this. Hey, you a, you asked a question. You you asked a question. Why don't uh, the people talk about this, right? And I assume you're talking about media, right? Right. Okay. Well, let me help you with that because some of your favorite people who you idolize, you'll never hear them talk about it. Roland Martin, Joy Reid. And all these other people that you love listening to, you'll never hear them talk about it because, number one, they're of an elitist class. Number two, they don't believe that they're not citizens. And I, and I already stated before, when you talk about this, I'm not talking about how black people feel about themselves. Because black people have fought, fought for this country. They died in wars. Uh, 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 they built this place. So black people feel as though that they just got, they just as much a citizen as white folks. I'm not talking about how right. you feel about yourself. I'm talking about how these people that form this government and their children still here feel about you. That's two different things. Right. 
That's two different things. So if you're waiting for this to be talked about on popular media, it's talked about. This is not the only place this is talked about. But if you're waiting for the shows that you like to talk about it, you ain't going to hear it because they're not in your class. To them, they're not in your class. And that's a sad thing to say because some black people have bought into this crap and these lifestyles of these Europeans. So everything to them is about class. They're not in your class. They don't feel as though that they that, that conversation is even worthy to be talked about. Yeah, because maybe maybe they don't maybe. They well, don't I'm answering your question. Way. That's why you won't no, no, hear no. that. I, I understand what you're saying, but maybe they don't see it the way that you see it. Maybe, as all things are, the narrative hasn't been broken down. It hasn't been articulated. Well, it's not, you know, just like Dr. King said in that, just like Dr. King said in that vignette that I played a minute ago, maybe about an hour ago, when he explained clearly what's going on in these cities. It ain't no, you don't take no rocket scientists. It's no debate. I wouldn't even debate any of those so-called black media that want to debate this. It's no debate. All they have to do is look at history. And if it was any type of debate, then what the hell are you struggling for every time you turn around? We're struggling for this. We're struggling for uh, CRT. We got to fight against this. We got to get our civil rights back. We, we got to fight for affirmative action to get a job. We got to fight. Well, what is all the fight about if you're a citizen? White folks ain't fighting about those things. They don't have to. They're citizens. Well, 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 I, would, I would say, now, you may disagree. But, you know, to be honest with you, man, maybe in the back of their mind, they don't think they're not citizens. Maybe they think. Maybe uh, they I think I already addressed that when I just said, I think I already addressed that when I said I'm not talking about what's going on in black folks' mind. I'm talking about the reality of the situation. It's two different things. So you don't I have to repeat. You, you don't have to repeat. You're repeating. The of black folks, bro. What? Negro peas like Martin and the rest of them. I think they don't even they don't even look at it from a real so-called black perspective. I I, I think they look at it from an American perspective. It's like if an you American perspective. To, okay, I think I'm no, done I'm with just, that. I'm just saying to you, if you were to say what you said to me, he would fight you tooth and nail about it, and not be able to. To, to I don't care what he fights. All he got to do is look at history. History around. is our best teacher. I don't give a damn no, what he feel or I fights. Know, I know that, bro. He can know, use history I, to prove his that. point. Use history to prove his point. I, don't already, yeah, I already stated that. If it's true that we're citizens, then what do you keep fighting for? What is this fight all the time about? What are you fighting for? White folks ain't fighting these fights. They don't have to fight for no voting rights, for what, the, what they can learn in school. For a job. They don't have to fight for that. Why are you fighting about it? If you're a citizen, why are you fighting about it? Why do you have to vote to extend your voting rights? Come on, man. Come on. I don't even want to play no devil's advocate when we're talking about these subjects. It ain't even worth no devil's advocate. But but that's that's why I'm saying who's ever on the Supreme Court, to me, it's a waste of time. Because... Just like you saying, that whole argument in regards to are you a citizen or not will never be addressed, which 
I don't even know if it should be addressed on a certain level or not. Like I said, they're going to spend their whole time trying to get those fellow court members to try and change their position on something that you deem it to be one way and they need yeah, well, to be a, Then you have your way. answer. They're not working. You it. already have your answer. They're not working in your interest and never will. Supreme Court, black or white, is working in my interest. Now, I never felt that way. I never black I or I white. I mean, why would you put the black or white? Why would you put them in it? You know any white folks on the Excuse court or anywhere else that's working for your interest? So why so would you say, say black or white? So they they say they say. I'm not talking about what they working. say. Come no, okay. no, no, bro, all right, bro, all right. I'm responding to what you're saying. Yeah, I'm okay. responding. Right, well, I'm responding. Right. If you say to a black for to a black person, you say to them, "Who's white on the court that's working for your interest?" They'll give you a name. I just gave you a name, Brian, or whoever else the other the other so-called white liberal is. That's all I did. I just yeah, gave okay. you a name. Do I think they're working for my for my best interest? I I don't even care. I don't I don't care because I already know that it's fact. I don't. I'm not, I'm not, I don't concern myself with something that I know I'm not going to win. That's, that's a waste of time. It's like betting on a game that's already fixed for me to lose. That would be silly. It's like me being concerned about, well, what's going to happen with this affirmative action going on. I already know that they're going to change affirmative action. Okay, so my thing would be, what do I do if I want my kid to go to that school? How do I place my kid in that position to where No, here you go. You're talking about affirmative action. Why is it need for affirmative action? You're a citizen. Hey, 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 hey bro. Well. Why do you need you affirmative said, action? You're a citizen. Hey, White hey, folks hey, don't need affirmative hey, action. Hey, bro. Like you, like you said, we ain't citizens. Okay. All right. So, I mean. I mean, I would, I would say this to you. Now, this is just. I said they don't uh, consider you citizens. I'm not saying how no, you feel about yourself. You. No, no, no. I'll say it myself. Maybe next time I call up in and to call, show I'll do a little more research on it, and I'll say to him, "Do you know, call that we as Americans are not citizens?" Maybe I'll do a little research on it. Maybe I'll start putting the word out that we're not citizens. You don't have to do you know that. You know what I mean? You don't have to do that. Huh? I think <laughs> you're just, just trying to be silly. No, no, I, All right. I, 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 Thanks I, I, for I, your I, contribution, I, brother. <laughs> Talk to you. Uh, say that again? Thanks for your contribution. Talk to you. No, but, but, but Elliot, now think about it. I'm not going to mention you or anything like that. But you don't have to mention me. You know, going. Huh? You know, maybe it'll get the discussion going. Maybe it'll get somebody else who's more... First, you come back. I like this here. I mean, because this this carries your theme. I like to hear you go back and do this research and then come back since you know that this dialogue happens here and come back and state what position you have one side or the other after you done did this research. That's what I would my like. position, my position, I can tell you what my position no. is. 
Now, you, based on what? No, no, hold on. I'll tell you right now. I don't have to do no major research based on what was presented. Well, why would you have to worry about what I'm presenting? You going to go on what I say? Huh? You going to go on what I say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. On this one, I will. Oh, I mean, no. I don't advise anybody to do that. No, no, no. No, no, no. You basically, you basically presented a common sense argument. You basically presented a factual argument. You put forward a position that you really can't debate. And um, but that, no more. Now, that, do I need to do more research on it? No question. But, okay. I mean, based on what you said, how am I going to disagree with you? Where, where will, where's the factual basis for me to argue with what you said? I mean, from what you said, if one who has the ability to think and reason, they would say, yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. I mean, the, the way you presented it, the way that you said it, yeah, you're right. Because you know the one thing, you could, nobody could say or nobody could call up right now based on what your presentation was and say you were wrong. I can't think of nobody that could and present factual evidence saying that you that you wrong. Mm-hmm. So yeah, oh, you know, I just need to look into a little more. But yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. What's my, what am I well, supposed to argue with you and question? Uh, uh, question what basically seems like a, a a true factual statement presented. Nah, bro, I I ain't wasting my time on that bullshit. But look into it a little more and come back, cause uh, oh, Richard, I, whatever, Richard, listen, man, whatever you basically say, I take it like a greater, a greater salt. Your your intellect don't move me like that. I, but look, I, I'll talk to y'all later. Hotel. Thanks for your contribution, <laughs> Richard. Let me let me take one more. Let's go to Newport News. Newport News. Hey, can you hear me? I'm on the phone. I hear you now. Hey, look, I, y'all, y'all exhausted me, man. I had some projects going here, and I'm, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm here trying to uh, catch some wood and stuff. Look, uh, I love co- listening to y'all on this platform, man. I uh, remember back uh, several years ago when um, you had Darity on and some people called in and acted stone fool on your on the air. <laughs> yeah, I'm well, changing the subject a little Well, bit. I wouldn't say they acted a fool, but, yeah, I remember. Yeah, well, when I say act a fool, you know, I'm 68 years old. I ain't trying to put them down. It's just, it is what it is. They were in the public arena acting like they were sitting in their living room. That, that's not how you conduct yourself when you go into public airways if you want to be heard instead of uh, just going back and forth. But my point to you is it takes a while when people catch on to things. It takes a while for it to mature. Some of those same people that you call me all outside my name on the air, old and this and that, I'm going to tell you, here we are two and a half, three years later. They've been inboxing me to say, hey, I apologize because now I understand what you're saying. Wow. When you get up to being 55, 60 years old, you start understanding. People will grasp an idea and run with it without fully comprehending what's being said to them because most people hear, but they don't listen. I want to make that distinction. It's a difference between hearing something and listening. Listening means you have to move away from your stance and try to comprehend what's coming to you. 
not what's coming out of your mouth. Mm. And, and, and and I spend a lot of time saying that to young people, and I try to say it to even my own peers. You got a really great platform, but people get lost in things. For instance, the things that we're talking about is not just your personal experiences, understanding how your personal experience exemplifies itself in the whole. Most of our people, I would say this categorically, and I don't talk in general, generalizations usually, most of our people only want to see this thing from a personal standpoint. And I'm, when I say most of our people, I'm going to use that black. It doesn't matter whether they come from the islands or from Africa, and I've listened to these people on Clubhouse and everything. And what they have is totally different than my generation, and I'm going to bring it back to civil rights because I lived there. They take everything as an I, as though it's the individual. You fall into this trap that rugged individualism will save you. Everybody else that looks like you, even though you claim to love them, the minute they express an idea that's not what you want to hear, the first thing you do is start telling them how ignorant they are, they're dysfunctional. When you start talking about poverty in your neighborhood, or they just need to clean it up themselves. No. Do you know what? As human beings around the world, if you look at the data, most crimes are crimes of proximity. So, yes, a people that's been oppressed and pushed into poverty, you're going to see more incidents of crime. But the thing is, when you start talking about how to stop it in the system, and I'm going to bring it to something being said, arguing right now at this time in 2022, whether or not you're going to get a black face that will actually do what you need, which is supply you justice. That's not even the whole argument right now because you don't get to determine nothing else except hopefully picking the right one and putting them on there and hoping that they ain't like Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas will tell you how much he, he admires all the civil rights people. But you know what that Negro said? And I heard him say this on a conversation, on an interview. And to this day, he expresses that on the court. He said that his problem with, with affirmative action was he feels like his accomplishments were tainted because they were done under affirmative action. Now, let me say this to you. <laughs> the people that died from Fannie Lou Hamer to all the other people we talk about historically framework, for this black person to get an opportunity to get an education and then claim because a white man hold, put a handle on it called affirmative action, when it should have been the first step in doing what? Giving us justice. Hell with get, giving me opportunity. Give me justice. You have an opportunity to get an education. Then you sit on court on a court and say, because I got by and I got a ton of things, we need to go back to pretending that race is no longer an issue. How can the action that was done to supposedly solve a problem now become the problem? That makes sense. Same thing with critical race theory. White folks know exactly what they did. It's the same lost cause or lies that's been told in every phase of this thing called education in America. Richard was on the clubhouse uh, listening to this conversation. All the way back to the, the history I tell you, you in history. Oh, Andrew Johnson was the worst president in the world. Richard knows it wasn't just Andrew Johnson. It was three of his, what, four cabinet members that were all, what, linked to the South. When you talked about the, the Homestead Act, just talking tonight, 
You say something that Martin Luther King said, and I told people I said it in high, in high school. There's a whole lot in that speech when he tells you that the bulk of the people that got that, that land were what? Southerners. Mm-hmm. So when they tell you that it's the 13 original states that's a problem, I keep telling people, no. Anything south of the North Pole is a problem. Mm-hmm. But when you got black people, my only other thing is all this stuff about we all get to get along. Denmark, Jesse, and the 1710 meritorious Magna Mitchell. No, you got a right to vet and question every Negro. Think about this. The, the highest ranking black person in the Congress today, where we have a Democratic president, a Democratic Senate, and the Democrat House. And it's all stuck on this thing that they want you to focus on, 50 plus one or whether or not to. And then you find out that, hold on, the 50 they claim they had is now 48 plus two when it comes to Democrats. Let me say this to you. Go right back to what you play over and over when you hear Malcolm say, it's the conservative Democrats and the liberal conservatives. These people have kinfolk in both parties. They are the same people that also had kinfolk that ran from the 11 Confederacy states all the way to California, all the way to Oregon and excluded Negroes, all the way to New Hampshire, one of the 13 original colonies. They did their bit to get rid of Negroes, too. Stop telling us that this is a divided nation. No, it's a white supremacist nation, and black folks need to start understanding. Even if you see a brother that ain't making it, don't demonize that Negro. If you're not going to do something to help him, at least get the hell out of the way. But get your lips off him with this dysfunctional Negro thing. We'll make it out of this if we start having some respect for each other. <laughs> Much love to you, brothers. Love the platform. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your contribution. And, and you ain't got to be diamond on me, Otis. Like, like, like. <laughs> hey, man, you're a good, you're a good mentor. I, I, Any time you could go in there and deal with Dr. Goddess like you do, I ain't mad at you, brother. I'm learning. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Peace. Richard, uh, good conversation tonight. Um, you know, I, I wanted to say something in reference to uh, that last thing that Dr. King mentioned in his uh, – I'll hold it because I, th- I think, it, I think it, it'll be apropos at any time we're speaking about the, these issues. I'll, I'll hold that last point that he raised about uh, – we need a revolution of values because he mentioned three of them, Richard. That's uh, that's right in our face. And I'm talking about black as black folks living here in America. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. But, oh, well, listen, before we uh, wind things down this evening, just want to uh, give the lineup on time for an awakening media. And you know what? My cheat with the, with the, uh, and Cobra Phillies. Uh, you don't have it in front of you, do you, Richard? February 25th from, um, I'm going, trying to go to it now, um, from 6 to, from um, 6 to six to, eight, 6 to 9. Um, that's a Friday. Um, a, said, uh, reparation, um, it's a reparation awareness day? Mm-hmm. Reparation awareness day. February 25th, um, from 6 p.m. to 9, and the, um, and the, and the question, which I don't have in front of me, 
of what they're addressing in relationship to, um, I, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll butcher it if I try to have to. Uh, one of the things, the intergenerational discussion, which I think is excellent, that idea that uh, that the brother Rashawn and uh, Sister Brianna came up with is an excellent idea, and they're talking about having more of these forums where it's uh, intergenerational discussion dealing with that. Um, that's important, Richard. Oh, yeah. And I think th- uh, things can come out of the discussions like that. Establishing think tanks in these cities is what's needed uh, to help our people thrash these things out. And through these discussions and people putting forth ideals of how we can move forward, that's how leadership is developed, Richard, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um, you know, we, we can see examples of that throughout history. Uh, when these things, these ideals and all was put forth and people observe, uh, you know, people that had the potential to work. Uh, listen, we was talking about King earlier. That's how King was chosen. Well, at the time he was what, 24, Richard. Yeah. When they chose him to take over leadership down there in Montgomery. They didn't just see a young man walking in and they point out, say, oh, yeah, let, let him do it. It was something that they had, uh, that the people had observed about him and qualities that he showed to them where he would be dedicated to what, you know, the ideals and all that they had put forth. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Is reparations mean reparations means repair a multi-generational panel discussion among um, black professionals to discuss reparations, repair and uh, reparatory justice. That's, that's the, that's the, uh, and that's um, February 25th from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern time, and it's a Zoom discussion. It's a, it's a Zoom, so it's a virtual. Yeah, and so, I think several of the people that have been on there, uh, beside yeah. uh, Rashawn, uh, uh, Marcus Jackson, right. uh, from uh, that was involved in the One Million, uh, Brother Omar Wiley. Uh, he's been involved in several organizations. Right now, he's with Afrocentricity International. So you you got some folks there that uh, the, folk, the folks that have listened to our program is familiar with some uh, young people. So I think it'd be an excellent discussion, Richard. Yes, and needed, um, needed. Before we leave tonight, let me uh, again go over the lineup one time for an awakening media uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. African perspectives with Brother Oshie. Always interesting topics and dialogues on African perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on Monday evenings, and I got to uh, do a little follow-up myself, Blacks Therapy Central would host Dr. Maria Kambon and, and Dr. Kamal Kambon because they repatriated. So I I know that they want to get started again. I got to kind of nail down the time and things like that with them. Conversation reparations, uh, the first and third Mondays of the month from 9 to 10. On time for an awakening media Tuesdays. 8 to 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers. On Wednesday, it's our time, the West Georgia Cooperative, the Black Farmers, uh, from uh, from 8 to 9, and from 9 to 10, uh, the Black Agenda Project with the host, Dr. David Muhammad. Uh, on Saturdays, 
the elders of Sankofa from 7 to 9 p.m. with host Dr. Brother Alfonso Watkins. They had an interesting program, uh, Saturday, Richard. I, I caught the, the tail end of it last hour. Oh, okay. um, and then Sunday's time for an awakening is back from 7 until I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Sunday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, or you're watching your children playing after school.
Children to save the children. 